You're listening to Task Force Shorts. In this new episode, our executive director, Liron Shoham, interviewed the mayor of Um al-Fahim, Dr. Samir Mahamid, on the burning issue of crime and violence in the Arab societies in Israel. This interview was translated to English and edited for length and clarity. Hello, Dr. Mahamid. How are you today? Shalom v'racha. Welcome, and thank you for taking the time to speak with us. I know it's been a very, very busy number of days. In fact, we, you were an emergency flight back to Um al-Fahim uh, from a visit in New York where we just met. Before we get into why you quickly flew back to Um al-Fahim, can you say a few words about why you became mayor after a, a long and happy career as an educator and principal? To be honest, if you had asked me three and a half years ago whether I would be the mayor or whether I would work in politics, I never thought I would be a politician. Even today, when someone calls me a politician, I don't like this term. I am here to serve the people. I am here to serve my residents. I became the mayor for three reasons. First, there was an urge from leadership to help the community in the difficult situation we're in. I came to the municipality and there was no organizational culture. A municipality with a financial deficit of almost a hundred million shekels. So I wanted to help the community. On the other hand, there was pressure from my students from all generations and from residents who pressured me to pursue this position. And the third thing that is also connected to the first one is that I wanted to provide a service. The mayors throughout the years have been focused on politics, and I came and said I want to serve the residents, period. This was my desire to become mayor. I have to say that it was a matter of six months of pressure which led me to run for the position, and I won the election against the incumbent mayor. I won against him in the second round. I want to add briefly that today I am the mayor of Um al-Fahim, but when I was a kid, my mother, may she rest in peace, was the cleaning lady of the municipality. She cleaned the municipality building. And today I am the mayor of the same municipality which I helped clean as a little kid. This is me. Tell us a little bit, for those of that don't know what type of city Um al-Fahim is or, or have never been to Um al-Fahim, give us a few words about the city um, your connection to it, and your vision for its potential. Um al-Fahim is a city of 58,000 residents. I would say that there are at least 65,000 residents. I brought the Central Bureau of Statistics to the city, and they promised to do a census, but COVID-19 delayed it all. On the other hand, Um al-Fahim is a very, very young city. If I said it was a city of 58,000 residents, 43% are under the age of 19. The city is very, very young. It is a double-edged sword. On the one hand, it is something that can create a positive horizon for the city, and on the other hand, I have to deal with the problems with you. The city is classified as a 2 out of 10 in the socioeconomic index, meaning that we're a very poor city. There are only 17 localities in the state of Israel that are poorer than Um al-Fahim. At the same time, I can say that the unemployment rate is very, very high. 
We are, unfortunately, the number one city in unemployment in the whole country, with 24.7% unemployment. I can also talk about unemployed young people. From the age of 18 to 21, we have almost 24% unemployment, youth at risk. If I was talking about a young city, then according to the criteria of the Ministry of Education and the Ministry of Welfare, 40% of the youth in Um al-Fakhim are youth at risk. While I can only address and give solutions to 500 children, meaning that there are about 3,500 or 4,000 children for whom I do not have the means to give options. This is how disturbing the data is. Still, we are not complaining. I think we have a lot of potential to lift the community, and we will try to give hope to our youth that there is something for them to do in our community. So you, you spoke about inactive youth, and what you mean by that is uh, young, young adults who are after high school who are not in any form of education, training, or employment. Uh, you spoke about youth at risk. You spoke about the difficulty of unemployment and poverty, and now I want to ask you about the crisis that is uh, a priority for Arab society as a whole, which is the issue of violence and, cr and uh, violent crime within Arab society. We, we, I began the conversation by saying you just ran back uh, from, a, from a tour of the U.S. to your city. There were two murders in the course of 24 hours in your city, and the entire city went on general strike demanding a solution. But these solutions are very hard to find. Can you, and, and it's, a, it's also a very controversial issue, can you please speak a little bit about what is the demand from the citizens, what is the cause of crime, and what is your, what is your vision for, for offering uh, solutions? There are two types of violence in Arab society, and these types vary by locality. In Umm al-Fakhim, 90% of the problems are conflicts within families, between families, and only 10% are linked to crime. So in other localities, the majority is crime, and a smaller part is conflicts between families. At first glance, one might think that conflicts within families are easy to resolve, it's easier than crime. Now, what happens in my hometown, I did return early from the United States where I was supposed to be until November 1st. I came back because of three murders in 10 days, two murders within 24 hours. Now, the writing was on the wall. It's conflicts within families that were known for four to five years, six years. And so we told the police, we also said to ourselves, we should have done more here to solve those problems. Now, it's the whole Arab society. We are talking about a guy who was murdered two hours ago in Jaffa, right in a crowded area, right on the promenade of Tel Aviv-Yafo. The solution needs to be a holistic solution to all these problems. Arab society needs to do more in schools, in the streets, in mosques, in churches, everywhere. We need to invest more in youth. We need to give more leisure activities to our children, professional guidance, academic guidance. Not everything is related to financial resources. We can do a lot of things with a minimum of resources. This is our side of things. On the other hand, there is the police. 
Unfortunately, crimes are not being solved, and there is the deterrent power of the police that is trending to zero in Arab society. This is what I said yesterday to the Minister of Interior Defense, to both his deputy and his chief of staff. With eight murders within less than a year in Umm al-Fahim and zero indictments, it means that the next killer, the next criminal, it is safe for him because he knows he won't get caught. Therefore, the police should do more in terms of deterrence. They should do more to enter Arab cities. As the heads of the municipalities, we are the first to support the massive activity of the police to eradicate violence because it kills our children. And the third factor is the government. The government has to inject money into lots of activities. Now, they're talking about a 900 million shekel plan promoted by Deputy Minister Sigalovich, and they have already contacted me after the meeting I had with the minister and his deputy to promote things for the spot treatment in my city, I assume in other cities as well. There are 900 million shekels that are going to deal with issues like youth at risk, like leisure time, welfare. Incidentally, the number of families in need of welfare assistance is increasing. Today in Umm al-Fahim, I have almost 5,000 cases in need of assistance, and more and more are in need of help. If we do not help these children, they will get into crime. The issue of housing is also a very serious problem. I am trying to solve this in my city through a project called Roof Agreement, uh, which is going to give horizons to young people with the construction of almost 5,000 housing units and also regulate almost 7,000 housing units. There is nothing even remotely similar to that in Arab localities, and it can promote our society, our localities, and I hope that there will be more such agreements in other localities as well. There is a lot to do. There needs to be a holistic effort as an Arab society of police and also of the government and also of the civil sector that needs to pay more and more attention to these issues. There are many things you spoke about that I want to touch on, but I'll do them one by one. Let's start with um, police. Policing is a controversial and difficult issue. Can you explain why you think the police don't do enough? And you said you will give uh, enforcement forces your full support as mayor. Is that going? Is is that difficult as a mayor to bring the community behind you to support policing, or is the community very much interested? And is it is it all the same kind of policing? I'll put it this way. For me, there is no other police. We have one police. There is one police force, and it's the Israeli police force, for better or for worse, and I try to leverage that for the better. I was beaten by the police, but I'm willing to have a conversation with the police, because at the end of the day, I want to prevent the next murder. I want to prevent the next act of violence. I want to deter the violence that is happening within our cities. For me, I want a strong police force, a strong police force that assures personal security to my children, my grandchildren, and me too. So for us, I speak on behalf of all the heads of municipalities. Our feeling is that the police do not use enough of the tools that they have, and it may be a lack of resources on their end too. I do not want to go into conspiracy theories that we hear a lot in Arab society, people who believe that this is all happening on purpose. I say this is not on purpose, but 
Things are the way they are because not enough resources are invested in the police. The government needs to invest in the police in order for the police to do their job well. You spoke about the fact that uh, in Umar al-Fakhir, most of the violence is from family, inter-family conflict. Can you connect the dots? We, we hear a lot about crime organizations in Arab society and how they might uh, attract young people who are not in education, who have no horizon, they might find a home and a future for themselves in crime organizations. Can you explain how that works with crime families, how the connection between young people who, have, who feel like there's no employment for them, they're not in education, and when it comes to um, family conflicts? I will say, when there is conflict between families, the conflict between families can be between older people. And unfortunately, I have to say about irrational things, about simple things, about a trash can that is on someone's property, or about half a meter of land or a balcony. What happens is, in order for me to protect my family, I go and buy a gun. Usually it's someone young in the family. Instead of investing in education and employment, money is invested in buying weapons. And then when there is an argument or when there's conflict, then the weapon is taken out and someone shoots in the air, but the second or third time someone shoots at the legs and on the fourth time maybe you kill a person. And unfortunately, now I'm talking about cases in my community, one case is about an argument that started at a wedding. After the argument, uh, two were murdered, and now it has snowballed into many murders. In another case, it was an argument about trash cans that were on a piece of someone's property, and he did not like that, so he went and shot at people. So what I'm saying is that young people engage in this because they are unemployed and they have no prospects, and some of them end up becoming members of crime gangs. In my locality, there are people who join those gangs, and then they have easy money, they get easy money, they have luxurious cars, and they feel confident in themselves and their family. How was the the how was the participation in the strike? Was it was there a big community presence? Did everything shut down? Was this something that was led from the ground from the community out? As for the protest, it really transcends parties transcends opinions. People at the end of the day, the vast majority of Arab society in Israel, wants to live in peace. There is no one who does not want peace for his children and grandchildren, his father, his mother, everyone wants that peace. So it transcended party, transcended opinion, everyone stood up, everyone identified. Of course, sometimes there were different emphases on different factors, but at the end of the day, all people strive for personal security. Personal security gives hope, hope gives action, action gives an escape to those young people. Last question about the strike, and then I'm going to move on to your your inspiring vision for Umar Fahim. Uh, what, in your eyes, what did the strike achieve? 
אני באום אל-פחם אני מנסה להשיג המון דברים, אני מנסה לעשות הרבה דברים באום אל-פחם. In אום אל-פחם I am trying to achieve a lot of things. I'm trying to do a lot of things in אום אל-פחם. Like I said, we know we have a lack of resources, but there are many things we can do. We entered the first roof agreement with the government after almost 34 roof agreements in the Jewish society. It gives us 800 million shekels. It gives 225 million shekels for infrastructure development. It lets us develop public institutions and it lets us develop parks. By the end of the month, I'm going to get a down payment of 35 million shekels with which I'm going to develop both a road and a park. People will see that there is hope, that there is a good place to live here in our city. and then it might lower the levels of violence. The roof agreement is going to provide a solution to the housing problem that our community is in desperate need of. People share houses with their families, with their uncles, their cousins. It can also give some space and relieve the stress in the society. We are making the roads wider, which can also reduce mental distress. Secondly, we are improving organizational excellence and structure of the municipality. The quality of service I give to both the municipal employee and the resident. Because in the end, we are trying to serve these young people, these adults, so if they feel there is proper service in this municipality, this may also lower the levels of violence. We're advancing a strategic plan. To this day, unfortunately, most Arab localities are only putting out fires. We are trying to create long-term plans. Today, I am working with a company from the Jewish sector to build a plan with me for the next 20 years. The plan has three components. The first is a spot treatment for the city of Umm al-Fakhim. We are talking about addressing a wide range of issues. Welfare, education, at-risk youth, the unemployed. Everything you can think of is in this plan. The second issue is high-tech. We're now building a large hub within the city, 200 square meters. Within the hub, I'm trying to promote high-tech mainly for women because the unemployment rate among women is very, very high. And we try to promote this issue as much as we can. And the third issue that we also address at the strategic level is the issue of violence. We received a philanthropic investment from Mubadarat and contracted an organization called Inclusion. We structured a strategic plan for dealing with violence for the long term. Some of the elements we can do without any help. We do not need help from anyone. We as a municipality can just do them, but some of the elements we do need help, mainly from the government, but also from the civil sector. We are also promoting distributive justice among our neighbors. There is a lot of national infrastructure in our area, like Orot Rabin, the power station in Hadera, like the industrial area in Megiddo. So we try to promote distributive justice vis-a-vis -vis our neighbors. We try to do it with understanding, but if not with understanding, then we will also reach out to the geographic committees and we will advance things that way. We are also trying to grow our commercial zone. This commercial zone today is 100 dunams, thanks to the same roof agreement. We will increase it by another 450 dunams. 
which I think will also give hope to business owners, to young people who will go to work in those businesses. I think that today we're in a difficult situation, but I believe that in a few years the picture will change and become better. This is what I want to believe. I just want to say for those who are listening who may not be familiar that uh, you spoke about not just putting out fires as an Arab city, but developing a strategic plan. And um, for those who may not know, right now we hear a lot about violence as a crisis in Arab society. But uh, after violence, there's been a long time housing and infrastructure crisis. And many Arab cities, uh, young people have nowhere to go. So the overall agreement, um, and now this is for several generations where young people have nowhere to move. They often live on top of their parents' house. And this creates an economic crisis and a frustration, as you talked about the pressure inside of Arab society. So when you're talking about shifting from uh, putting out fires to developing a, to working on a strategic plan, this is, this is really to, um, to change the sense of the future that young people have. A strategic plan takes care of what we have and what we want. And the desirable thing is, I want to imagine, and I guess I will be able to achieve some of the things with a minimum of resources, and I can only achieve them if I work according to a plan. Unfortunately, to this day, we have only seen talk, like, let's do this, and I did that, and so on. We're going to build a strategic, holistic plan with a clear timeline in every category. Then I can move forward with the unemployed. I'll have a clear plan for professional guidance, for academic guidance, the whole range of things. With youth at risk, I'm going to build a long-term program. I want to reach every child. I know I will not reach every child within a year or two, but it is a process that is both engaging and may affect the atmosphere within the community. The subject of building parks, and I started deliberately talking about people, and then moved on to buildings. I need to give these young people places to hang out. I need to create these places. In three years, I have built eight parks for kids in the city. There used to be only one park in Umm al-Fakhim, and just now I came from a visit to one of the parks. I saw children with their families having a corner to sit and enjoy for a few minutes. That also gives them some hope. I hope that things like that, together with long-term plans, will address these issues and will address them well. I am the mayor today, but tomorrow I want to leave a legacy for the people who will come after me. I want them to have long-term plans so that they won't need to start over or even take a few steps back. I want whoever comes after me to know that there is a plan, structure, that he is going to implement regardless of political affiliations. Because at the end of the day, we come to serve the people and not ourselves. How does that affect your relationship with the state? When Now when you go to government ministries, uh, what is that relationship like when you, you come as the mayor of Umm al-Fakhim? Are you, are you finding you're able to cooperate? Or are you getting what you need from, from the state? Today there is no doubt. We feel the change. There is a change in attitude. There is a change in the way they listen. 
the dialogue is with the government and with the government ministers and we are trying to promote things, whether on a personal level or on the level of the whole Arab society. Today, I have to say that I am part of two committees with government ministries regarding the follow-up plans of 922. I feel that there is a different partnership, that they are listening, they are willing to hear us, they are willing to do some of the things we are asking for. Now, it's all at the level of conversations, but I hope that after the budget is approved, it will also be reflected in the implementation of things. The feeling is, at least with the program to eradicate violence, which is promoted by Deputy Minister Sigalovich, that the Arab society has a place, that they listen to us. They listen to us individually and collectively as a group. This is something that may lead these programs to success. Therefore, the discourse is taking place. We will continue to have those conversations, we will continue to push, even though we see that there is a commitment of this government to Arab society more than ever before. Is there anything else that you want to make sure we share with our audiences? We've already taken nearly half an hour of your time uh, on a very busy time. Is there anything else that you would like to share that I haven't asked you about? We are also trying to create partnerships with our neighbors from Jewish society. In my area, at least, we created a good relationship with the Menashe Regional Council, with the head of the council there, Ilan Sadeh. I think this partnership is a partnership that also gives hope, both to the Arab community and to the Jewish one, that there is a dialogue of partnership and building something. We are also trying, we're thinking of a program for Arabic lessons in the localities of Menashe Regional Council and intensive Hebrew learning in the city of Umafahim. It's a different kind of partnership, which we also think about. Even though the personal ties between Elon and I have been excellent from the moment I was elected, but our cities have had our differences for years. This is a great addition. Thank you. It's a really important part. And I, I wanted to say for my part, when I speak to your staff or people who are supporting you, the energy and excitement that I hear in their voices about the change. I mean, not, not speaking about the strike and the, and the terrible violence of the last, this last week, but when, when we speak to them, we hear the, their desire for Um al-Fakhim, for their city, to be seen in a different way. And I, and I believe that they credit you very greatly for this change. I hope we will make a change. We will make change. We will change the reality. Thank you so much for your time. And Keep up the hard work, and we'll see you. We'll see you in person soon, hopefully. Yeah, of course.